Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Guys, on Monday morning, I was literally on the treadmill trying to get my daily workout, right? There I was. Now, normally I don't use the treadmill so much. I'll go to the gym and I'll get on the ARC trainer or something else. But I was on the treadmill because of our crazy West Texas weather, right? I mean, it was crazy. Like Saturday, it was summer. Sunday, it was fall. And Monday and Tuesday, it was winter. I mean, that's how crazy it is. And so Monday morning, I'm on the, on the treadmill going, man, it's winter outside. I'm just going to stay in. I don't want to sweat and have to come out. And so there I was and attempting to run, walk, if you will, five miles. And there I am just kind of moving, right? And uh, I don't know, um, but when I run either outside or on the treadmill or trying to get back in shape, I really like to think. And I like to think and pray at the same time. I'll be praying for something, and I like to think, and most of the time, guys, I think really about the study that's coming up. If it's Monday morning, I'm thinking about Wednesday. If it's Wednesday or Thursday or Thursday, I'm thinking about Sunday, and so I like to think of these things, and just then, just then, I'm thinking about Jonah, and I'm, I'm thinking how God had called Jonah to go to Nineveh. What did Jonah say? No. And God said, oh, really? Are you, this is what you're going to do, Jonah? Right? So Jonah is, the, is on the run really, from his calling to love people, right? He's called to go to Nineveh, and I'm thinking about all this. And so as I'm running, on my playlist, right, on my phone, on my playlist, was a very popular song back in its day, right, back in the 80s. Bon Jovi sings this song, and I thought, my goodness, this, this, this really fits Jonah. This song really fits Jonah, and I'm listening to it, and maybe you've heard it or maybe you haven't, but the song is called, it's called It's My Life. I don't know if you've heard it or not. But the premise of the song is simple, okay? Juan Jovi sings this song. It's my, I'm listening to this and I'm going, wow, that kind of fits Jonah, right? And you go, why? Well, It's My Life, basically, the premise of the song is this. It's my life, and he says, I want to live my life my way. That's what, that's what the whole song is about. I, I, it's mine, it belongs to me, and I'm going to do things the, the way I want to do them. This is what I'm going to do. And I was thinking about that. Now, now stay with me, okay, because I do have a point. Now, as I was listening intently to the lyrics and thinking of Jonah and tonight's teaching, labor with me for just a moment as we go through some of the lyrics, because I want you to get that same feeling that I did. There I was thinking about Jonah. Jonah's on the run from God, and he's headed, and of course we know he's in Jaffa, modern day, uh, or Joppa, modern day Jaffa. He's running from God, and I'm thinking about this song, and I started hearing the lyrics, and I'm going, that's Jonah, and you go, well, how so? Well, listen, here's how the lyrics go of this song. He says, it goes, it's my life. It's now or never. I ain't going to live forever. I just want to live while I'm alive. And you go, wow, that's a pretty cool anthem, right? I mean, it's my life. I'm going to do what I want to do. And then it goes on to say, it's my life. And then it says, my heart is an open highway. Like Frankie said, I did it my way. I just want to live while I'm alive. It's my life. Now, you guys got to picture the scene. There I'm running. I'm thinking about this. And, and of course, I mean, the song's like, it's pretty cool. And I'm just like, wow, okay. Now, okay. So a couple of things I want to bring out as a way of introduction, okay? A couple of things. Number one, Jonah, guys, is on the run from God, 
okay? He resigned his position as prophet. Can you imagine? He says, God, I quit. I don't want to be a pastor anymore. I don't know what's going on. I don't want to go to Nineveh. And so he resigns. He sends in his resignation letter, and he leaves. And he heads to Tarshish, probably to start a new life, right? Look at verse 3 with me real quick, guys. It says, but Jonah arose, not going doing what God wants him to do, and, he, and to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Well, Jonah, what did he do? Well, he went down to Joppa. He found a ship going to Tarsus, so he paid the fare, and he went down into it to go with them to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. Now, there's a couple things we need to note in verse 3. Number one, it mentions the presence of the Lord twice. Jonah's like, I resign. You guys tracking with me? Now, listen, we are in 2017. Not a lot of us would stand up and say, God, I'm out of here. I'm done with your presence. I'm going to go somewhere else. But a lot of us resign when we fail to be obedient to what God wants us to do. When we fail to be obedient. When we fail to go, oh, no, 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 no. I know, God, your word says this, but I think I'm going to. Well, it's my life. It's my life. It's my life. Yeah, yeah, think about this. Jonah right here could be singing the same anthem that I was listening to on my iPod. You go, how so? Well, think about this. Think about what he might be thinking. Jonah, or God wants me to go. Where does he want me to go? He wants me to go to the Ninevites. And I don't like them because they're evil and they're ugly and they're ruthless. And I just don't, I just, no, thank you. I'm not going to do it. And he might even be thinking, my heart, God, is an open highway, if you will. I just want to live while I'm alive. You guys tracking with me? You go, why, why, why? Well, I want you to think about this. I want you to put yourself in Jonah's sandals for just a moment. Okay? God says, hey, listen. I want you to go to the Ninevites. Now, you know the Ninevites were ugly. They were ruthless. They were mean. I mean, they had pyramids full of skulls. I mean, this was not, this was not, hey, listen, I want you to go over to Plainview because those people are nice. I want you to go to Nineveh. And, and I'm thinking, if I'm Jonah and I'm human, which Jonah was, okay, think about this. He might thinking, if I go over there and they don't heed the message, guess what? They're going to kill me. My skull is going to be one of the ones on top. I'm not going. I'm not going. Now, we know that's not true. We know the reason that he didn't want to go to Nineveh is because, why? Because he knew they would repent. He knew that God would bless them. And so all of a sudden, guess what? He says, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. Because he's thinking, church, that might be a possibility. That might be a possibility. Now, let me give you a side note, Okay. If you're taking notes, jot this down. Doing the Lord's will doesn't always mean it will go well for you. Let me say that again. Doing God's perfect will doesn't always mean it's going to go well for you or it's going to be easy. You guys know what I'm talking about? I mean, let me give you a case in point, okay? We all tend to look up to John the baptizer. I mean, John the Baptist was amazing. Why? Jesus said he was the greatest prophet who ever lived. There's John the Baptist. Crazy dude, right? Because he's why? He's in camel's skin, hair, clothing. I mean, I don't know where he got his clothes, but there he is. The Bible says he ate bugs. I mean, you talk about a low-calorie diet, that's what he's eating. And he's baptizing people, right? Well, think about this. The Bible says that he was in God's perfect will. Except when he gets thrown in prison. No, no, no. He was in God's perfect will. And how did it end for John the Baptist? He's sitting there, right? And he's telling his disciples, is is Jesus the one or should we look for another? Go and ask. 
Because I know what Isaiah says. Isaiah says, listen, he's come to set the captives free. And there he is in prison waiting, right? And I wonder, I wonder, think about this, guys. Think about this in our context. Think about us, God, and in and, and, and our sphere of, of, of walking with Jesus, how many times we feel like John the Baptist. God, are you the one? Are you going to deliver me from this? Is my life, I mean, God, what are we doing here? And what happens to John the Baptist? John the Baptist literally gets killed, guys. His victory was not that the king repented and said, oh my goodness, John, yes, I'm sleeping, you know, it's an adulterous affair. Are you kidding me? You know what happens? He gets his head chopped off. See, his victory wasn't the king repenting, but his victory was that now he was in glory. And yet, I mean, I think about that. So Jonah, listen, Jonah, dude, listen. Being in God's perfect will doesn't mean that it's always going to go easy. Yes, you could go to Nineveh, and you could be killed. I mean, we could, we could talk about modern-day missionaries who, who basically didn't get the job done and got killed before. So that's the first point, guys. The first point, as a way of introduction, he's on the run, and he's, he's just running from God, right? He could be singing, singing this anthem. That's what? That it's my life. Point number two that I want to bring up to you. I want you to note the lyrics, right? Because in the song it says, like Frankie said, I did it my way. Okay, now I just want to bring out this point as a way of introduction. The song lyric has a reference. It's referencing Frank Sinatra's song, I Did It My Way. Back in 1969, he sang this song and he says, I, it's the song is called My Way, right? Now listen to the lyrics, okay? Listen, I'm going to just read them to you, but Listen to the lyrics because it seems like he's writing this right before somebody's life is coming to an end. Right there. He says this. Now, this is how the song starts, okay? Bon Jovi is referencing Frank Sinatra, but I want you to see. I want you to see. He says this. And now, he says, the end is near. So I face the final curtain. My friend, I'll say it clear. I'll state my case of which I'm certain I lived a life that's full, I've traveled each and every highway, and more, much more than this, I did it my way. Regrets, I've had a few, but then again, a few to mention. I did what I had to do, I saw it through without exception. Now listen to the last part. He says, for what is man, what has he got, if not himself, then he has not. To say the things he truly feels and not the words he would reveal, the record shows I took the blows and I did it my way, my way. So Frank Sinatra sings this song that just blows my mind. And you go, why? Because he's standing up and he's giving this anthem that says, I did it my way. And so just for fun, guys, just for fun, I went online and I Googled. I said, what were, what were his last words before he died? Was he laying on his bed and he said, I did it my way? Was he standing in his bed and he's like, amen? Would he say, Lord Jesus, forgive me? You know what his last words were? Here's what his last words. I find it interesting. Before Frank Sinatra died, he said, I'm losing it. I'm losing it. I was like, wow. Pastor, your point? Here it is, guys. Listen. God never called us to do it our way. He always calls it to do it his way. 
You see, the gospel in its purest form is doing it the way God tells us to do it. And the way God says, hey, this is the formula for salvation. This is the formula for life. If you look at the book of Romans, guys, the book of Romans, the book of Galatians, all the books that are written in the New Testament, divinely inspired, but think of Romans, right? The first eight chapters of Romans deals with, it deals with the principle of salvation, that we'll walk by faith, the principles of salvation. And then he takes a break from 9, 10, and 11, and then what does he come back? He comes back with the practicals of, this is how we should live. This is how we should live. Throughout the New Testament, you'll see that he'll always give us the principle. He'll always give us this principle, and then he'll go and say, this is how we should live. This is what salvation is. This is how we should live. This is how salvation is. This is how we should live. Church, let me ask you this. Why is it not reversed? Because you know that we can live the Christian life without knowing Jesus. We can do the practicals without having an encounter with God. We can live and we can do good and we can give money and we can say amen and we can say hallelujah and we can call each other brother and sister and we can do all of that without having an encounter with God. And here's what we're looking for at Calvary Chapel. We're not looking for the church to be full and and gigantic. I hope it grows, praise the Lord. But here's what we're looking for, hearts that are transformed to Jesus. Hearts that are transformed, hearts that are on fire for God. Hearts that have a real walk that says, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus. And so he gives us the principles, and then he gives us, why? Because it's God's way. It's God's way. Well, listen, in our text today, guys, we discover that both Jonah and, for the sake of our study, mankind, well, they're running from God, trying to do things their way. And in our text, we learn that God, firsthand, will give us the formula for salvation. Once again, people go, I don't study the Old Testament. There's not much. Guys, he's giving us the formula for salvation. He's showing us salvation at his best. And a minor prophet in Jonah. Where's Jonah? I don't. I remember Jonah. Jonah's all about a big fish. No, no, Jonah's about a big God. And I'm going to show you something tonight that's going to blow your mind, even about this fish. It blew my mind. It blew my mind. Okay, you guys ready? So by, by way of recap, last week, guys, we learned, remember where we left Jonah, okay? He was on the run from God, right? There he is. He's, he's run, forest, run type of Jonah. He's on the run. God commanded him, I want you to go to Nineveh. If this was a map, picture, Nineveh, picture um, Jonah's right here. He would have to go 500 miles in an ark to get to Nineveh. You go, Ben, why couldn't he go across as the crow flies, as they say? It was the Arabian desert. It would be hot. He would be dead in no time. So Jonah, yes, sir. Here, I want you to go 500 miles. What did Jonah do? Mm-mm. He decided he wants to go how far? 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. He wanted to go to Tarshish. You know where they thought Tarshish was? It was the end of the world. It was the end of, this is where, this is, nobody's ever gone farther than Tarshish. That's where I'm going. That's where I'm going. 2,500 miles opposite of what God called him to do. It's on the tip of Spain. And again, most people thought at that time it was the end of the world. And could you imagine Jonah's thought process at this point? He's thinking, God's not at the end of the world. God's here. God's, pre- God's presence wants me to go to Nineveh. I'm going to go where God's presence is not. Why? Well, right at this point, guys, Jonah had no heart for the lost. And I think we can learn the lesson. Why? Why? Well, you could say that Jonah had lost that loving feeling. 
You see, he had no interest, no interest in loving people back to life. Now, here's the problem, guys. When our relationship with God gets strained, our relationship with people gets strained. Are you guys hearing me? When our relationship with God becomes uh, out of sorts, disheveled, whatever you want to call it this way, when our vertical, guys, is out of control, our horizontal is going to be out of control too. Why? Because the steps, here's the thing. It's what? It's that we need to love God. And as an effort of loving God, we're going to love people. We're going to love the unlovables. We're going to love those who hurt us. What did Jesus say? Jesus told you and I to love our enemies. Say what? Yeah, love those who, who, who persecute us. Pray for those. Buy them a Coke, your enemies. Uh-uh. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, listen, I want you to be different. How would I do that? Because my vertical is right on. I love God. And because I love God, I'm going to obey. And if he tells me to love the unlovable, I've got to obey and I've got to love it. I've got to love them. So, Jonah, well, they've, he's lost that loving feeling. He's no interested in loving people back to life. And, of course, last week, if you remember, we learned that God is sovereign. Why? Because Jonah disobeyed God's voice, but the wind and the rain and all of nature obeyed God. And, again, we know that he's sovereign. How so? Well, remember, who brought the storm? The Bible says that all of a sudden, God's like, okay, you want to be disobedient, Jonah? Go. As a matter of fact, I'm going to let you pay the fare, and then go get on the ship, and then we're going to see. We're going to see. So what did we learn? We learned some lessons in the storm, didn't we? we that God sent the storm, and we, and, 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 and we learned that there's a couple of lessons in the storm. Number one, sometimes when God sends us a storm, it's either to get our attention Guys, sometimes when our vertical is off kilter, God will send a storm and say, hey, hey, we're not in a right relationship here. Other times he just sends us, other times there's just a storm so he can test our hearts so that we can prove to grow and be faithful. Prove to grow and be faithful. Think about what what James says. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into what? Various trials. Why would I count it joy? He says, because all of a sudden you're going to grow and you're going to have patience and you're going to grow and you're going to grow in character. It's going to be amazing. So next time you pray for patience, what are you asking for? Trials. God, give me patience. You want trials? No, I said patience. Well, guess what? Those trials are going to grow your patience. Your patience. Last week we also learned, guys, that, that we lost We lost some things as a result of disobedience. You go, like what? Remember last week we said that Jonah lost the voice of God? Other things were drowned out. He didn't want to hear the voice. He couldn't hear the voice of God anymore. Jonah, yes, sir, go to Nineveh. No, sir. And then all of a sudden he lost the voice of God. And I I would venture to say that that's pretty sad. That's pretty sad. You guys remember Abraham? Father Abraham had many. Do you remember him? Between Ishmael, between trying to do things his way, Ishmael and Isaac, he didn't hear the voice of God for 13 years. And this is Abraham. This is a man that walked with God. This is a man that talked to God. And, and, and the Bible says 13 years until Isaac was born, he didn't hear God. And I don't know about you, but listen, I don't, I don't ever want that to happen. I don't ever want that to happen. See, listen, I've got his word, okay? The Bible says he speaks to me through his word. The Bible says he can speak in thunderous clouds, but he also speaks in a still, small voice. I don't want to lose any of that. 
So I have to be attentive. What does it mean to be attentive? I have to drown all the other stuff out. I have to get in a place where I can hear God. That's why they call it, and I, I know it's, it's just commonplace and cliche, but they said, did you have your quiet time? But quiet times mean you're quiet so you can hear the voice of God. And the problem is, church, like a lot of us, we start reading the Bible and we just do it for the check mark, and we don't get what he has to say. Specifically, when you're reading through the Bible in a year, and you get to Exodus, the end of Exodus, where he's, where he's just giving instructions to build a tabernacle. And God said, and you're just like, ah, oh, come on. And then we go into Leviticus. Are you serious? But there's so much there if we'll just listen, church. We'll just listen. I'll tell you where I like to hang out with. I like to hang out with David, David in the Psalms. Because David really just reflects a lot of our hearts at time, you know? I mean, you think about, you think about yesterday and Valentine's Day and how a lot, of, a lot of people were just hurt with Valentine's Day. It's like, you know, it's, they call it, what do they call it, Singles Awareness Day? And a lot of people really heard about that. It's like, oh, I can't believe this. And, and it's like, no, David knew what it was to be alone, and he cried out to God, and he realized that with God he was never alone. And it's just a day on the calendar. Today, David's like, listen, God, fight for me. You know, my enemies are pressing against me. Fight for me, man. God, fight for me. I trust in you. And how many times do we need that, guys? How many times do we need to say, God, please fight for me? I'm tired. I don't have any strength left. I don't have any strength left. He lost the voice of God. Number two, guys, he lost his spiritual energy. Where was he? He was in the bottom of the boat. What was he doing? He was snoozing, man. (sighs) Really, Jonah? Now, listen, I don't know about you, but when I'm being disobedient to God, I find it hard to sleep, don't you? I find it hard to sleep. I mean, think about this, guys. Jonah is just, he's in sin, wouldn't you say? Why? Because God told him to do something. He's not doing it. He's disobedient. He's on the run. He's in sin. I got to be honest with you. When I'm in sin, I I don't sleep real easy. I'm really bummed. It really stinks, man unrepentant sin. I'm just like, oh, I think of David. Do you guys remember David? You remember what he said? When he, was, when he had sinned with Bathsheba, he's trying to cover it up and nobody knows and he had, he had Uriah killed. Do you remember what he said? He said, man, I felt like an old dude. And I'm paraphrasing. It doesn't really say. He said, my bones were, were just, I just felt so, oh. why? Because he was living with that conviction. He was living under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Uriah, you, you had an adulterous affair. And then to cover it up, bro, you, you killed her husband, Uriah. You men after God's own heart, what? And he's just like this. And, and not Jonah. For some reason, Jonah could turn it off. There he is sleeping. And he lost his spiritual energy. Why? Because there was a huge storm, guys, huge storm, and he's asleep. Everybody's out freaking out up top, right? They're throwing cargo overboard. They're looking at people, at the, they're looking at other sailors going, let's see, you weigh how much? You might be next. I mean, we just got to lighten the ship. Are you kidding me? And they're freaking out. Now, you go, well, how do you know they're freaking out? Guys, these were professional sailors, and they were scared. They were scared. You, got, you, you tracking with me? You know what I'm talking about? Whenever you're in an airplane and you hit some turbulence, you know who the first person I look for? I look for the flight attendant to see what they're like. Because if they're scared, then I know this is real. If they're still serving co, you know, you know, I'm like, oh, that's, they're just used to that. Why? Because they're professionals. They fly all the time. But if they're like this, I'm like, uh-oh. 
this is some real turbulence, man. I'm a little scared. And, and can you imagine? That's exactly what's going on in, with the sailors. They're like, they're really scared. Where's Jonah? Jonah's not witnessing to him. He's not sharing. He's asleep. Number three, he lost what? He lost the power of prayer. Jonah, everybody's calling on their God, and what did Jonah do? He lost the power of prayer. He lost the power of prayer. Have you ever had, have you ever had dry prayers? You feel like they're just... The power of prayer. Jonah, call. Wake up. He says, you sleeper. And then, of course, they ask him, Jonah, who, who are you? Well, I'm a pastor. You're a what? Yeah, and I'm running from the presence of God. You know what the fourth thing Jonah lost was? He lost his testimony. He lost his testimony. Remember, remember, reputation is what people think of you because of you, but your testimony is what people think of God because of you. And Jonah blew that. He blew it, man. He blew it. So, that's where Jonah is. Let's, um, let's read from verse 4 to, get a, uh, to understand the context, and then we'll keep going to verse 10. It says, verse 4 in chapter 1, But the Lord sent a great wind to the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid. Every man cried out to his God and threw cargo um, that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down to the lowest parts of the ship. He had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God would consider us that we will not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots so that we may know whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. And they said to him, Please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And what people are you? So he said to them, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. That's what we looked at last week. Now picking it up in verse 10, it says, Then the men were exceedingly afraid. You guys see that? And said to him, Why have you done this? For men knew, for the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Guys, listen, listen. So not only does Jonah disobey God and he runs from his presence, but he also posts he also posted on Facebook, he tweeted it on Twitter, he took a pic on Instagram. Okay, not really, but no. The sailors had already knew that he was running from the presence of God. How did they know? Right? Can you imagine Jonah? Selfie, running from God, right? From the presence of God, and everybody's on going, that's you. He told them, I'm running from God's presence. I'm running from God's presence. He told them as he got on the ship. And I could imagine the conversation in my mind, right? He, here comes Jonah. He, he's, he walks up to the booth. He says, hey, is there, a, is there a ship going to the end of the earth? They're like, are you kidding me? Why, yes, sir. See, there's a ship headed to Tarsus just leaving in a few minutes. Jonah says, well, how much is it? And they ask, tell him the ferry. And he goes, well, just happens to have that. There you go. And so, of course, he goes to the ship and they ask him, Sir, what brings you on our ship this fine day? Because why? Well, he looks, probably looks like a prophet. He probably, I mean, I mean, he's interesting, to say the least. And sir, what brings what you on our ship this fine day? Whoa, let me tell you a story. I'm on the run from God. Say, what? Yeah, 
You see, God wanted me to do something. I didn't want to do it. So I am, well, I'm going to run as far and get away as far from the presence as I can. I just don't, I just don't want God in my life anymore. And of course, they're thinking, wait, what? Yeah, God asked me to love people back to life, but I decided, no, thank you. So here I am, headed for my new life in Spain. They might look at them and say, maybe I'll become a bullfighter there. I don't know. I don't know if there's much need for a prophet in Spain, but maybe I'll become either a fisherman or a bullfighter. I'm not sure. And they're looking at him like, are you kidding me? And they're looking at him, Jonah, why are you running from God? Why, why would you do that? And he might quote, it's my life. And like Frankie said, I'm going to do things my way. Wow. Guys, can I give you an applicational truth right here? This is going to blow your minds. One of the things, guys, that we don't always think about, and it's in the passage and it's in our lives. You ready? When we sin, we don't always realize that sin affects other people. The truth is that we never sin in a vacuum. And you can see that our sin affects others. You go, how so? Jonah is in sin, and he's going to put the men in grave danger. And let me say this with us, guys. Next time you feel like, I think I'm going to sin, I think I'm going to do this, remember, it hurts everybody in striking distance. And we never sin in a vacuum. We never sin in a vacuum. That's exactly what Jonah's saying. What a great truth that is, guys. What a great truth to help us realize and I just and I, and I think about that. In reality, you know what Jonah's saying? I've done wrong, and and I go. All of us are going to get all of us in trouble. All of us in trouble. We can see that. Gosh, I think of church. I think some of the stuff that we think, and some of the stuff that we do, and. <sighs> I'm not sure if we could heed this, this truth, but I hope we do. I hope we do. I've had, I've had pastor friends of mine destroy ministries because the sin affects everyone, because they fell morally. And it affected, it didn't just affect them. I mean, you first, first you deal with, guess what? You have to look at your wife, and you have to say, I'm sorry. And then you look at your kids, and your kids can't believe. And then you think about the congregation, you think about the people who trusted you and who walked with you. I don't know if Jonah realized that his sin is going to affect. He probably thought, it's just me, right? It's my life. And like Frankie said, I want to do it my way. It's my life. Leave me alone, man. No, 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 no. Listen, we, none of us ever gets to sin in a vacuum, and, and, and sin always affects everyone in striking distance. Well, back to our story. We've learned that from our Bible that we cannot run the presence of God, right? I mean, I want you to think about this, man. Think about what David said in Psalm 139. He says, where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I send to heaven, you're there. But here's what I want you to see. Listen, listen to me. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. Now, doesn't that scare you? Doesn't that freak you out? Why? Well, of course, if I go to heaven, God's there. It's heaven. 
But could you imagine being in hell knowing that the presence of God is there and that you could never partake in his presence anymore? That freaked me out. I was telling Josh today, I said, think about it. Think about what hell is. Hell is, is not having the presence of God in your life, in your heart, or having hope anymore. You're done. And knowing that the presence is so right there, but you cannot, I mean, because his presence is still going to be there, but your hope and your, and your life of ever walking with God anymore? David says, listen, man, if I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, think about it. He's he's talking about Tarshish. Even if your hand shall lead me, your right hand shall hold me. He says, you are there. You are there. So the men were exceedingly afraid. And they said to him, why have you done this? For the men knew that they had left the presence of the Lord. Look at verse 11. Then they said to him, what shall we do that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. Think about this, guys. In verse 11, the more they hear, the the worse the situation gets. Wait, what? The sea's going crazy. I mean, guys, we're not sitting here having a conversation like me and Adam are right here. The sea's going nuts, right? They're throwing stuff over. People are praying. They're crying out to their God, whatever, whoever that is. And, And now they're having this conversation with Jonah holding on. Going, are you serious? You're what? You're running from the presence of God. Are you serious? And, and, and here's what they say. Here's what they say. Tell us. What do we need to do so that we can be saved? Don't you just love that? Here's what I want you to notice. Here's what I want you to notice, guys. I want you to notice the contrast between man's plan of salvation and God's plan of salvation. Say, here, it's going to be a physical plan, but we have an eternal salvation. We have an eternal salvation. What can we do, guys? Because it's getting worse. It's getting worse. Look at verse 12. You ready? It says, Then Jonah said to him, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will be calm for you. For I know this great tempest is because of me. What does Jonah say? Jonah says, Listen, guys, listen. Here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to pick me up and throw me into the sea. Wow. Now, here's a question that goes through my mind. I'm, I'm like, okay, so why did he do that? Perhaps out of compassion for the sailors, right? He's seeing this dude over here crying out, right? I'm not going to see my family anymore, my babies. And you see this guy over here, and he's just, oh, okay, just throw me in. I'm not sure what God's going to do, but just throw me in. Maybe. You guys tracking me? Perhaps he was tired of running from God, right? He was tired of running, and his continual resistance was overwhelming. He's just like, okay, I'm done. God, I'm running. I get in this boat. I even lost money on the deal. Okay, throw me in. Perhaps, and I would hope that he repented right here. And he's just like, okay, this is what it's going to take, right? If this is the case, if Jonah really repented right here, it illustrates that, that repentance is not only a matter of heart and mind, but a matter of actions. Did you guys catch that? That re- repentance is not only going, yes, I repent, and say it in my mind and my heart, but he actually repented. He said, throw me over. Those are some perhaps. The problem is, church, we really don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. We don't know why he has to be thrown in the sea. But what we do learn is really simple. You ready? Jonah is offering himself as a sacrifice for the other men. The men ask this. You guys ready? The men ask, how can we be saved? How can we be saved? 
And Jonah tells the sailors, guys, sacrifice me into the ocean where probably at 99% I'm going to die. Okay? And if you do this, here's what's going to happen. The sea is going to become calm and you will see your families tonight. Wow. So the answer, Jonah, is the answer is that you're going to sacrifice for me? The only, the only sacrifice me for you is to sacrifice you so that I can be saved? You guys see that? Okay, now catch this. Catch this. This is God's plan in reality, is it not? Why? Because it's the same way. You see, for Jonah, it's a physical throw me over and I'll be saved. But for you and I, guys, it's a spiritual. You see, Jesus Christ had to be the substitute for us to be saved. That's, that's the whole point. He had to be the eternal sacrifice. And again, right here, in a minor prophet in the Old Testament, God is revealing the gospel plan. Man has sinned, and he's fallen short of God's glory. We know that, right? We've all sinned. Jesus Christ came to be that atoning substitute for our sins. And so I remember there's a passage in Acts, and they say, what must I do to be saved? And it's really simple. It's the same thing. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. It's the same thing. He had to be that substitute. He had to be that substitute. Now, here is where my introduction comes into play. You go, why? Because here's what we've learned so far. We've learned that Jonah wants to be that substitute. You throw me into the water, you'll be saved. You'll go home, you'll see your families tonight. We see that spiritually for us. Why? Because when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then it's not us anymore. It's Jesus. And when people, and when God looks at us, he doesn't see us anymore. He sees Jesus. That's gospel. What did you do to earn it? Nothing. I just put my faith and trust in God. And when I close my eyes, guys, and take my final breath on this earth, my trust is that Jesus paid that eternal sacrifice. That's it. That's where I live. That's where it's going to be. That's the gospel. But here is where my intro comes into play. Look at verse 13. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not, for the sea grew, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. And here's what I said. Wow. Wow. Pastor, what are you talking about? Jonah says, throw me in if you want to be saved. And the sailors go, "Uh uh-uh. They didn't want to throw Jonah in, right? They were like, ugh. Because they believed his God was for real, and they really dreaded the consequences of throwing a prophet, even a disobedient prophet, in the sea. Jonah, I'm a prophet. Throw me in the sea. No, no, no. So what did they do? The Bible says that they rowed harder. It means they dug their oars into the water to try to row back to shore. Do you see man's plan for salvation right here? You see it? Why? Yeah, of course you do, right? Man's plan for salvation. What or we must do something. And in so doing something, we completely reject the substitute. Here's what the Bible says, guys. The Bible says that Jesus 
And John 14 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through me. So how do we get to heaven? We go through Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10 says this, but if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the confession is made unto salvation. Quick point right away. You know, I know a lot of people go, Pastor, how come you have people come forward and you ask them to pray a prayer after you? Listen, there's nothing magical in the prayer, okay? And just because you say, you'll hear me say a thousand times, words alone aren't sufficient to save, okay? Because you can say this word. But we take this here because here's where the salvation comes in. With the mouth, confession is made to salvation. And so we're getting them with their mouths out loud, repeat after me, confession into salvation. But there's nothing magical about the prayer, Why? We have plenty of people pray that prayer that are not saved. Pastor, how do you know? It's the fruit in their lives. I prayed a prayer. I mean, and this is what, this is what scares me. This is what scares me as your pastor. That there are going to be people going to stand before God and say, I prayed a prayer at Calvary Chapel. Calvary Chapel, I prayed a prayer in the front right there. There it was. I prayed it. I should be saved. And, and it's like, but, but you weren't really, your heart was never transformed. You were never really what the Bible talks is born again. And so it has to be a work of the Spirit. It has to be a work of His Spirit, church. So man says, no, 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 I don't know. Here's what I got to do. Listen, I've got to work for my salvation. You get it? I, I don't know what that means. Maybe I have to get baptized, right? There's a lot of, there's a lot of people say you're not saved unless you're baptized. Got to work or I must help God out, you know, see what man tries to do is, is you know, he tries to do um, is to get, get to God by his works. And here's what we learn from this verse. We will do anything, we will do anything and everything to row hard to the land, if you will. Why? Because I feel like I got to do something. Throw Jonah over, that's the set. Except Jesus, no, no, I'm going to row harder. I'm going to work harder. Listen, I don't know about you, but I'm going to go to church I'm going to go to church twice on Sunday, and I'm going to go to church every Wednesday, and I'm, going to, I'm, going to, I'm just going to do whatever. I just got to work hard. I got to work hard for myself. I want God to love me. I want God to be pleased with me. I'm going to work real hard. So what are you going to do? I'm going to row harder. I'm going to dig my oars in the water, and I'm going to row back to land. I'm going to row back. You guys with me? Do you see the gospel? That's man's way. That's man's way, and it should free you up. Why? Because, guys, there should be none of us in this going, I'm rowing hard. Listen, as a result of salvation, then should come works. Don't work for God. Why? I love him. I do what he tells me to do. It's not the opposite. It's not the opposite. So you and I, we go around and we start spreading what we call the grace message, right? It's all about grace. It's all about grace. It's about salvation through Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus. And you know what they say? No, 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 no. That seems too easy. That's too easy. Are you kidding me? So when Jonah says, you have to sacrifice me, they say, no, we'll work harder to get back to the shore. Notice what it says. The men rowed hard to return to land, but they couldn't. Why not? Because the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. So what happens next? Guys, only after all of this, look at verse 14. Then they cried out to the Lord and said, we pray, O Lord. Who are they, who, who are they praying to now? They're praying to Jonah's God. It's Lord. It's, it's, it's God. 
right? They're not praying to their gods because it's capital L-O-R-D. Check it out. Please do not let us perish for this man's life and do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. Here's what I love about this. They cry out to the Lord in prayer. Jonah says, sacrifice me. No, we'll work harder. Okay, we can't. This isn't working. Okay, so let's just pray. I love this. Why? Because it's a prayer of confession. It's a prayer of confession. God, we can't do this. Oh, Lord, we pleaded. Don't let this man die. Don't let, don't, don't let us die for this man's sins. And don't hold us responsible for, for his death, oh, Lord, for you have sent the storm upon him for your own good reasons. But can I just say I'm kind of sad about this? You go, why? Look at it with me again real quick, guys. See, I think there's a lot of people who are like the sailors at this point. You go, whoa, I'm not sure. How so? Well, you see, based on this verse, there's no evidence that they've actually abandoned their old gods. And what it looks like, guys, is they just added Jehovah to their God shelf. You see, they were crying out to their gods earlier, and then they realized that Jonah has a god, and his god seems a little bit more powerful. So instead of repenting and saying, oh, you know what? Those are idols. Those are worthless. I'm going to turn and give my whole life to Jehovah God, to Yahweh, to Jesus. Here's what we do, guys. We want to keep our little gods here and keep them really safe around us, and we'll add this god to our god shelf. And then what a lot of us do to become good Christians is we'll start to move people and say, okay, God, you're number one, but then I've got all these number two, number three, number four, number five. And it's a sad verse. Why? Because I think a lot of people do that. A lot of people will add God to the shelf instead of going, listen, I'm going to just do away with these foreign gods that don't mean anything, and I'm going to serve Jehovah God 100%. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to follow him. So what did they do? Guys, they threw themselves on God's mercy, and they threw Jonah into the sea. Look at verse 15. So they picked Jonah up. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from his raging. And I'm just like, wow, could you imagine? Don't you think they were like, are you kidding me? Why? Here's Jonah. I don't know what, how big he was, but they all, one, two, you know, and they threw him in, and all of a sudden it went... I mean, that's when I'm on my knees going, you're God, you are, are you kidding me? Wow. As soon as Jonah hit the sea, the sea obeyed God. Guys, the immediate end of the storm proved that, jo- that Jonah's God was for real and that Jonah's resistance to that God was a real problem. Verse 16 says, then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. Yeah, I mean, seriously, here they were trying to do it their way. Come on, roll harder. No, throw me. Okay, God, please forgive us. We don't know what's going on. All of a sudden, they're like, wow. But where's Jonah? Jonah's jump. And here's what I want you to see. Okay, here's what I want you to see. Well, let me go back just a little bit, okay? Because the sailors here moved from fearing the storm, if you will, right? They're freaked out about the storm to now fearing the Lord, right? They're like, God is bigger than the storm. And I thought about the disciples, right? The disciples did the same thing when Jesus calmed the storm. You guys remember this? Just jot this down. You can listen to it. Mark chapter 4, 35 through 41. It says, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. 
Now, they, when they had left the multitude, they took him, uh, they took along in the boat as he was, and there were little boats who were also with them. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, and so that it was already filling. But he was, Jesus, was stern, he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they woke him up, and they said, Teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? And he arose, and he rebuked the wind and the sea. Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and they said to one another, Who can this be that he, that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is so cool because it's on the Sea of Galilee, and here's what we've learned about the sea is that it, just, it, can, it can just go crazy at any time. And in a few short weeks, we're going to be on a boat on the sea, and it's just going to be amazing. Now, I don't suggest anybody get off and try to walk on the water. They actually have signs that says, please don't try walking on the water. But this is exactly where it is. This is that Jesus is like, settle down. And the sailors and the disciples are like, wow. So guess what? The ship is saved. You guys with me? Back in Jonah, the ship is saved, right? And there's probably cargo on the bottom of the ocean and the ship is saved. But what about Jonah? Guys, he is in the ocean dropping fast to his death. You go, how so? Guys, he's, he, he's sinking like a stone in the sea. Listen, we often get this picture that there he is treading water, right? He's treading and you're like, hey guys, I'm okay. He's dropping. He's dropping in the Mediterranean Sea. Now, the storm has stopped up, up top, but Jonah's still going down. Jonah's still going down. He's drowning. So let me ask you this, church. What does God do? Do you know that God saves Jonah? And you say, how so? Let me show you this that blew my mind. This just blew my mind. Verse 17, guys. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now again, this is where a lot of people go, oh, it's a whale. Is it a whale? I don't know if it's a whale. It just says a big fish. And it says that God prepared it. Did he prepare it right there? Don't know. Could have had it swimming. I'll tell you what, if you've ever flown over the Mediterranean Sea, if you've flown over any sea, any ocean, you look down and you're high and the boats look like... I mean, you know that there's something out there that could just easily swallow a man. But here's what I love. At that moment, God created this fish to save Jonah. You know, Pastor, your point? I don't know. This blows my mind. Why? Because I've been taught all my life that Jonah was a result as judgment, as a consequence. Oh, you're in the belly of the fish, aren't you? You're disobedient. You're in the building. But listen, if God hadn't created the fish, Jonah would have drowned. And I was like, wow. You know, the lights come on, you know, and just like, you know what? God is what? God is, God is salvation. And although Jonah, listen, church, oh, this is good. Although Jonah is disobedient, God's not mad at him. God's not going, listen, you just... Listen, you know what? Here's what you're going to do. You're going to be in the dark belly of a fish, and you're going to learn your consequence. God says, no, no, no. Here's how I'm going to save you. I'm going to create this fish, 
It's going to swallow you, and you're going to have oxygen in there, and you're going to live in there, what, three days? And you're going to realize how much I love you, Jonah. And Jonah, if you're disobedient, and, you, and you've done all of this, and you didn't care for people up there, you're going to have a change of heart. You're going to have a change of heart. Wow. Guys, that should bring good news to you. Why? Because there are times that I've been disobedient, and you know what God says? I still love you. It doesn't change my love for you. There's been times when I'm flat out sin, straight up. And God doesn't turn his back on me, doesn't leave me, doesn't forsake me. And sometimes, guys, he needs to send a fish to save me. And it's all about perspective, isn't it? Because we could look at this and go, well, that's judgment, right? Because nobody wants to be in a dark fish, right? You know that Jesus is, references this story right here, right? When they're asking him for a sign. Do you guys remember that? They're asking for him, so Jesus, give us a sign. He said, the only sign that's going to give it to you is that is just like Jonah was in the belly three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. What did Jesus do in the heart of the earth? He went to save people. He went to Abraham's bosom and said, guys, you ready? I'm him. And Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Jonah and all these dudes that have already died were like, it's him. And the Bible says that he led captivity captive. And there's a group of people who goes, no, that's not him. I'm not putting my faith and trust in him. And they're still in Abraham's bosom right now. We call it hell. But Jesus went down and he took and he led captivity captive up to heaven. And there's still another group waiting their judgment. Waiting their judgment. So Jesus is the same way, guys. He gives us the gospel message all in these verses. And he says, listen, here it is. You ready? In the Old Testament, I'm telling you how you can be saved. Put your faith and trust in Jesus. The God-man that came down and walk in him. Walk in him. And, and, and look at perspective. Some of you might feel like, man, I'm in the belly of a fish right now. Think about this. It could be God going, I'm saving you. I'm saving you. I'm saving you. Amen. We'll pick it up next week in chapter 2. So let me close with this. You see, man will always think like the song that I heard on my iPod. It's my life. Man will always think that. I'm going to do it my way. Or they'll, they'll take their dying breath and say, I did it my way. But here's what we learn, guys. We learn our way does not lead us to heaven. It's only God's way. It's only God's way that leads us to him. And we want to say, you know what? With our dying breath, we said, you know what? Not that I did it my way, but how about this? That I did it his way. Because I belong to him. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word tonight and the truth in your word. So much to learn here, God. So much about the gospel, so much about loving people. God, you loved the, the sailors so much that they threw Jonah over, but you loved Jonah so much that you created a fish for him. And so, God, we thank you so much that you are in the saving business. And, God, tonight, tonight, Lord, we surrender our hearts to your will and not our way. I don't want to I don't I don't want to I don't want to take my final breath saying I did it my way. I don't want to do it my way. I don't want to do it. I don't want I don't want my way, God. I want your way. Why? Because I gave my life to you and I want to do it your way. 
And so I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to lead and guide. And God, please do a work. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.